five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, and we've got our logo rearranged today. Woohoo! But here we go. This is a, a trailer for a man called Otto, which, you know, I think I see some of myself in this. Uh, I, I, I think I will go see it. Parallel parking. Parallel to what? The whole neighborhood is falling apart these days. Get out of here. Nothing works now that you're gone. I brought you some food. Okay, bye. Are you always this unfriendly? I am not unfriendly. Okay, you're like a warm cuddle. What is that? Looks like he's yours now, Addo. You are not taking over my bed. You think you have to do everything on your own, but no one can. We can't stand watching one idiot try to teach another how to drive. It's lesson time. Thank you. Clutch in and brake, brake, brake. The car is stopped. They should get an automatic transmission. Hybrid. It's okay. It's a hybrid. She's always gonna be with you, Otto. My father used to smile like that. I'm not smiling. Exactly. So anyway, it looks like it's a about an old guy who needs some friends so it looks good i think it's good it made me smile anyway uh when it comes out on streaming maybe we'll go uh so let's get over to the real news got a lot of news today i i highlighted if you don't know my process i look at about a hundred or more uh headlines every day and then i put those in uh getpocket.com and I then, after, you know, then I look at the ones that I think make, make some sense together. And then I P PDF them and then I highlight them. And so that's my process sort of every day. And over the Christmas holidays, a lot of publishers just don't put up any content. <laughs> so it's hard. It gets, you have to look really far and wide. And you, you've seen some of the, some of the, uh, the things lately and so you know it was uh was definitely far and wide so let's get over to this one uh let's go here okay this is sad really really sad uh that the world's best restaurant is unsustainable from juliet here uh copenhagen's noma is closing did you see my catchy headline for me Noma is no more. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, so the this restaurant, I think I have a friend who, I'm going to tag David in this and see if he's, I think he ate here. I think I remember seeing a post from him eating here. Um, but they were closed six months for COVID and uh, decided to reinvent its its their cuisine their chef um it's closing despite drawing customers willing to fork over 500 plus each to eat and i think david said he spent about 750 each i think he spent about 1500 dollars for the two of them um to eat things like reindeer male parts and duck brains now you know you can probably get those locally pretty easily you know we kind of we hunters kind of throw that stuff away. We don't know that it's a delicacy. We, we've probably never been to Noma. But if you just talk to one of us, you know, see, uh, those parts are available locally. 
especially if you're in a whitetail area. Uh, you may be able to get them from your local butcher. Not sure, but worth asking. Okay, so Noma's cooking style is foraged local ingredients, which also illustrates the advantage of civilization. If you're going to get up every day and go forage for your for your meals, you're going to have a great weight loss program. You know, they found some so in 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 a remote area of Russia, they found some people that had been living on their own for 40 years. Maybe that's the theme of Otto too. He can't live. It's, it was in the trailer. No one can live on their own. But they found a family that was living together or living on their own for 40 years. This is not one of your un, one of your sustainable little cottages with full solar and you know and a wood stove heating. This is people who had some shelter, but basically were, were trying to gather food every day. And they were in just horrible shape. They were just, they were just horrible. So don't try that at home. And so Chef Rene Redzepi is calling it quits. He's going to start some e-commerce site where you can buy uh, who knows what, some kind of pickled onions or pickled mushrooms anyway and he said you know we had a lot of they had a lot of internships and when they actually thought about paying some of those people it would have added or it added fifty thousand dollars a month um they had about 100 employees and said it was unsustainable something to be said for sustainable and that's one of the things we see in mail we see mail as being a tool that keeps on chugging and companies like L.L. Bean and Hirschner's and Land's End and Miles Kimball and Colony. I'm mentioning some Wisconsin brands. You know, they just keep going. And, uh, and some are even prospecting with mail. So direct mail advertising enjoys steady popularity among advertisers and consumers alike. Remember the other day we were talking about the bad PR for mail? Okay, so uh, in 2020, mail only lost about 4%, but bounced back and went up in terms of revenue. Um, and I don't know if this is USPS revenue. I don't think so. I think it's print revenue. Uh, here's direct mail advertising revenues. Um, it, it, it had an annual growth rate of over 10% in 2021, and I think it was up again in 2022. In 2022, mail holds a bigger uh, ad revenue share than its other printed counterparts, newspapers, and magazines. And yet, it's rarely even listed in categories of ad spend, as you know. Um, direct mail count, number of pieces sent, has is down. Uh, it dropped 14% during COVID, which didn't make much sense to me because people are sitting at home with nothing to do. Um, and then 2021, we had some recovery of 5%, but still not up to 20, up to uh, pre-COVID levels. It also took a big hit in, 20, in 2008. Uh, the large, this is important, the largest direct mail companies worldwide, RR Donnelly, Quad Graphics, and IWCO, all of them, um, have some connection with WDMA. 
though they should be supporters. Quad is in Wisconsin. Donnelly, I think, has been on some of our meet and greets. And IWCO is up in Minneapolis area and um, also should be more more involved. But we talk every now and then. I think we had one member uh, who was from there. And don't forget Japs Olson, who is, who is one of our most encouraging supporters, uh, Debbie Roth. And um, what that also suggests is the biggest mailers, some of the biggest mailers in America are in Wisconsin. Colony, uh, Miles Kimball, Land's End, which means that they're the biggest in the world. Ergo, I think. This was a line that I don't remember ever seeing before. And I think if you're involved in the mail market, you should adopt this one. Email is the new junk mail. And that is really true. Junk mail has never been a thing. Because when you're spending a dollar or more per contact, you're really, you really do want it to be sent to someone who has a, sh- a shot at buying from you. You know, it is much more carefully crafted than almost any digital ad, which has such a low engagement and a low cost that almost no care is involved. Okay, a survey re- revealed that, and this is the link to the survey here, Americans feel most comfortable receiving direct mail. And then there's a lot of other stuff here. It says that that uh, direct mail leads to digital action. It's not just that either. You know, we know who got got mailed because we're very careful about that. We know it got delivered because the USPS is very careful about that. And we know that it went to a decision maker because not everyone in a household decides who, who, which mail gets thrown out. And a decision is made. So there's enough engagement to actually make a decision, which is rare in advertising because, as we know, Digital throws itself away. Email, you might have to mark it red, which I do, but that doesn't mean you have to read it. It might even say that it was open, but, you know, the vast 90 plus percent I never actually look at other than the subject line and the sender. And I I mark hundreds of pieces as already read. Um, So let's get to the meat here. I always have meat in it. I'm not sure I'm going to do this justice. So you really want to get over to WDMA.org and you want to subscribe, at least subscribe, so that you can get the show notes for this one. This is a really excellent article from Preston. I can tell that he knows what he's talking about. And he's at SQL. He's a strategy manager or something there. Okay, Google says you should send a mail piece to the same audience three times within 20, with 21 days between each mail. So in two months... You'd be sending th- three mailing pieces, and that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good sequence. Um, a lot of catalogers will do about six weeks between drop, so they might have nine drops cr- through the course of the year, but they may uh, accentuate that in uh, in the holiday season. Um, optimal direct mail frequency is unique to each brand. And testing, see, this is, I love this. Testing is the best way to, to discover how many touch points produce the best result for your mailing campaigns. And I wish <laughs> were that simple, right? And, he, and, and, and uh, Preston is clear here that it's not just, testing is not necessarily simple, okay? But different 
kinds of objectives, different kinds of, of, of uh, offers demand different uh, mail frequencies, okay? Uh, he said, you know, so, when you're mailing your customers, you want to mail them, some people say, as much as possible. Um, I've heard that every time I can mail them profitably. I've heard mailers say that. I've, You know, we've been at roundtables for years and people say that kind of thing. I had a friend, and I've mentioned this before, that mailed something like 120 times per year to existing customers. <laughs> it's like t twice a week. And he said it was profitable. In fact, it was until the state attorney generals came after him because it was sweepstakes related. You know, no really, no really, no customer complaints. But the state attorney generals were certain that he was duping people. He said there's no standards anymore. It used to be a reasonable person could understand this, but that's gone. And he said now it all it is is the state attorney general wants to come after you. And he said, you know, they have offices that are just printing money. I mean, they're, you know, that's their job. Their job is just go harass businesses. So anyway, when you're mailing your customers, you probably want to mail regularly. Jack Miller once, I was I was at an internal, I was working with Jack on a, on a, a DMA presentation. And it ended up being the highest DMA presentation that, of that year at the fall conference. But... Um, while I was there, he did a he did a Saturday little speech to his employees, and um, I remember him telling the story that it was back in the 70s when inflation really was roaring. I mean, we used to have regular rubber stamps that would say all prices in this catalog increased 20%. Think about that before they could reprint. And so Jack, at the time, it, he's the founder of Quill Corporation. Jack at the time was producing one main catalog a year, one big catalog, you know, kind of like the new one. I don't know if it was ever this big. This is the Uline catalog. Look at that. I think it's 800 pages or something. Um, I don't think Jack's was ever, yeah, 850 pages. I don't think Jack's was ever this, this, uh, I did talk to a marketing guy inviting him to our round table our wisconsin mailers round table and, and he said you know yeah it does <laughs> you know they're always testing but it does do well it gets attention anyway jack was mailing once a year but with high inflation he they were just getting killed because by the time the year ended and they went into the next catalog era uh the prices the costs had all gone up 20 or more percent and so they decided to start mailing smaller, more like flyers every month. Uh, and he said, we thought it would annoy the customers to death. We thought it was going to kill our business because everybody would be mad at us. But he said it, an interesting thing happened. Our business took off. He said, rather than being the supplier of last resort, he said, suddenly we were the supplier that was asking for the order all the time you know more often and uh, our prices were up to date uh, everything in there was a good value was in stock and suddenly the buyer had the quill catalog on his desk instead of on a shelf somewhere as a reference material and he said our business just took off so some of this you know as much as you'd like to say we should have tested all is a little bit 
a little bit more art than science and a little bit more try than than test. But one thing I like is is that is that Preston says you have to establish a control group. That's that is handy. Uh, I know very few mailers that do this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes they'll do it a little bit, but it's a, extremely complicated. It might be easier to track the number of pieces a particular customer has been mailed over the past few years and their subsequent purchases and see if there's some kind of correlation between that. You can do that just as a data analysis. Um, and I've offered to do it with several who I thought were over emailing we were going to assess the the damage of emailing them twice a day for no good reason um, and see if there was actually a downside to that high frequency but that's another issue here it's nice to establish a control group for your mailing but what is your email department doing to them right and oftentimes these are segregated you know the digital people uh, are not underneath the mail people or vice versa well it might be the mail people might be underneath the digital because digital is everything digital transformation is is everything anyway so so most most often what large mailers will do is they'll say let's do a holdout and see what the impact of not mailing is that's a lot easier to measure so if you're going to mail 500,000 pieces you just don't mail maybe 50,000 the first month and then you mail some of them the second month, but maybe now 30,000 the second month don't get a piece. And maybe 20,000. You don't necessarily have to keep them equal. And your CFO will tell you that you're, if this is a profitable mailing and these are profitable segments, that they're, that you are eroding profit by these tests. And that's true. But it does prove in the sea of digital advertising, and maybe you're a retailer, and maybe you have a lot of email going that no one seems to be in control of. In a sea of all that customer contact, it does seem excessive to mail a big catalog, doesn't it? They know who you are. They know what you sell. Give them an email, right? Except they'd miss it. So if you hold it out, you see the, the incremental impact of that mailing piece. And that is the real key to assessing advertising effectiveness. So excellent article by Preston. Um, he says, the more data, the more confidence, but also the more data, the more budget. And this actually, the first part isn't true either, because um, more data can get you much more confused. If you set it up right, more data is helpful. You know, I mean, there's a threshold of statistical significance and confidence interval. But <clears throat> big data, uh, big data had a lot of promise, but didn't really help anybody. So have a great day. Like and share over to the WDMA for this article and uh, don't be afraid to click on the join button as well. Bye-bye.